scripture lesson is found in Mark chapter 12, beginning at verse 28 through 34. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You're right. Teacher, you have truly said that he is the one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. Let's pray. Bless, O Lord, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts. O Lord, our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Michael J. Sandel is a professor of government theory at Harvard University Law School. He has a book out entitled, What Money Can't Buy, The Moral Limits of Markets. He's done some interesting research and discovered that almost anything is for sale. Did you know that you if you're a non-violent inmate, can purchase an upgrade to your cell for $82 a night in Santa Ana, California, and several other cities. I'm not joking. The services of an Indian surrogate mother to carry a pregnancy go for $6,250, and Western couples are increasingly outsourcing the job to India where it is legal and one-third the price in the U.S. You can buy the right to immigrate to this country for the small sum of $500,000. You have to establish 10 jobs within a low economic area or neighborhood, and it gives you a green card with the entitlement to permanent residency in this country. You can buy the chance to shoot a black rhino. For $150,000, you can go to Africa, and the farmers there are being sold the right to shoot these rhinos 
for the farmers who are willing to raise and protect them. Now, this is the, well, there's a couple more corkers, but this one gets me. For $1,500 to $25,000, you can buy a doctor's cell phone number with an annual fee so that you can get a same-day appointment. 24-hour access. You can buy the right to pollute in the UK for 18 bucks per metric ton of carbon. They have the right to enable companies to buy and sell the right to damage our environment. But the one that just really blows me away is that there is a 30 billion dollar industry where folks are betting with life insurance policies. I'm not sure how it works, but somehow they buy the policies of ailing or failing persons, and the sooner you die, the more profit they make. We live in a time when almost anything can be bought or sold and are we not moving toward a society in which everything contemplatable can be sold he raises the question of do you have the right to sell your own kidney well you may have the right to sell your own kidney but do we really want a world where kidneys are sold to the highest bidder or where persons who are poor sell them in order to eat. When things are up for sale, they can be corrupted. So why worry? Because the perceptions that we have in our lives are our reality, and the way we interpret and understand the world directly affects our beliefs and the way that we're going to lead our lives. Our perceptions can create either bias or understanding. They can create fear or curiosity. But what we know is that money and how we use it is an indicator of the condition of our hearts, the condition of our society, and our view of the world. It speaks to our values and our beliefs, what we think we deserve, about our personal selfishness or our purpose. Our funds make a huge statement about where we place our trust and what we believe is the greater good. The saying holds that if you want to look at your compass in life, check your bank account and your credit card statements because they will tell you your story. In our scripture lesson this morning, Jesus is trying to set a very different compass. 
A question has been raised in a perfectly normal teaching situation, and a scribe asks, literally asks, a question. Now, this may not seem odd to us, but in Mark's gospel from the first chapter until the 15th, the scribes are set out to trick Jesus. In fact, they're involved in the conspiracy to kill him. And so the chapter 12 is a surprise. What do you mean a guy asks an earnest question? What is the greatest commandment? Now, that's not the biggest surprise yet, because Jesus begins by saying the Shema. The hero Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That's from Deuteronomy. But then he does something really different and unusual. We hear it together all the time. But this is the first time in Scripture that it comes together. And he says, and the second one is this from Leviticus. And love your neighbor as yourself. It just blows the scribe's mind. And he goes, you're right. Oh my goodness, this is so much more important and so deep in understanding that it's bigger than worship in the temple. It's bigger than burnt offerings and sacrifices. It just blows him away. This is a story about an agreement between two conceived arch enemies. And in the middle of their agreement we land the cornerstone, the cornerstone of our faith. We're asked in our scriptures to put our whole selves in. The Bible is designed to help us understand the ways of God and this new combination of loving God with heart, mind, soul, and strength and neighbor as self is meant to be pivotal within the New Testament instruction. It is intensely personal. Do you hear it? Your God, with your heart, your mind, your soul, your brilliance, and your strength. And how much? All of it. All your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Put your whole self in. Nothing is to be coming with spares. With, with a spare to be given when it's only time, when we just think about it or get around to it. The stewardship we're invited to in Christ is to spend our lives. Because make, make no mistake, my friends, we are spending our lives. And we're not going to get this day back or yesterday or the day before. You only have this one to spend. So it begs the question, are we paying attention to the cornerstone? It is said of Marian Anderson, that once celebrated celebrated 20th century voice that was so huge and wonderful that she had simply grown great, but had done so by growing great simply 
Doesn't that, that translate as the difference? A few years back, a reporter was visiting with Marion and asked her the greatest moment in her life. They were in the dressing room, and he expected her to pick one of these things. There was a day when Toscanini told her that she had the finest voice in the world. Oh, my. She did a private concert at the White House for the Roosevelts. She sang for the king and queen of England. That would have been a big one. In Philadelphia, she got the $10,000 Bach Award for making the most impact of a citizen on her hometown. But the pinnacle would have been that Easter Sunday when she stood at Lincoln Memorial and sang to 75 thousand people, cabinet members, Supreme Court justices, and most all of Congress. So which of those great moments would she choose as the one most important in her life? And she said this, it was the day I went home and told my mother she wouldn't have to take washing in anymore. Marian Anderson knew it wasn't about her achievements. It wasn't about recognition or fame. It was the things that she valued as most important, and that was people and what she could do with and for them. And that made the difference, and that made her great simply. Because when we know what to value, don't we have a more meaningful shot at a meaningful life? We chase advantage and happiness for all the wrong reasons and in all the wrong things. If we are understanding this commandment today, it's to discover that we take a meaningful life when we put God first and our neighbors as the clearest expression of how we love God. Being all in, loving our neighbors as self, it should blow our minds. There's a wonderful TED talk by Emily Esfani Smith that's entitled, There's More to Life Than Being Happy. She says people chase being happy and find that even when they chase it, they're still unhappy. Right now, we are in a 30-year high when it comes to the suicide rate in this country. And every objectable measure, every conceivable standard is higher than it has ever been. And yet there's this emptiness gnawing away at people. And you don't have to be depressed to feel it. Sooner or later, don't we all wonder, is this all there is? According to the research, what predicts this despair is not a lack of happiness. It's a lack of something else. It's a lack in us of not having a meaningful life. 
Martin Sigismund says, meaning comes from belonging to and serving something beyond ourselves and from developing the best within us to give away. After five years of research and all kinds of interviews, Smith puts together this wonderful little theory of four pillars that lead to happiness. And the first pillar, she says, is belonging. We need to belong to relationships of value in which we value each other and ourselves. Now, this isn't a cheap belonging based on what we believe or on a hatred that we share. This belonging, true belonging, springs from love. It's in the moments among individuals and groups who choose to love and cultivate belonging because we are loving neighbor as ourselves. Don't you hear it right there? The second pillar is close. It's purpose. And purpose is less about what you want more than it is about what we give. The key to purpose is using our strengths to serve others, our whole selves in. The third pillar is no surprise, it's transcendence, where we have an experience of God that takes us out of ourselves and even out of our reality for a moment, loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the fourth pillar is a surprise. She says the fourth one is storytelling. She illustrates that by talking about a young athlete who was uh, injured playing football, broke his neck, and became a paraplegic. He used to say, my life was great playing football, now look at me. People who tell stories like this, my life was good, now it's bad, is where that story started. After a time, with the right relationships and the great support, he began to weave a different story. And it said this, before my injury, my life was purposeless. I partied a lot. I was a pretty selfish guy. But my injury made me realize I could be a better man. This story edited his experience and he began to give himself away. People leading meaningful lives, he found, tend to tell stories about their lives defined by redemption and growth and good and love. Redemption stories. Is not that what our New Testament is based on? That God so loved us that he gave his only son that we may not perish but have eternal life. Long and short of it, my friends, saints are not perfect people. We think of them as flawless, never having an ugly thought in their minds, and yet a real saint is a person of pure clay, just like you and me, who have figured out how to love God and love others and do so with a singleness of mind that they redeem those around them. Frederick Buechner says, real saints never even came close to characterizing themselves as perfect. 
In fact, St. Paul says to Timothy, I am foremost among sinners. When a guy calls Jesus good, Jesus says, no one's good but God. Saints consist less of what they have done than of what God has had some reason to choose to do in them. That's what happens when we open ourselves to loving God with all that's in us and our neighbors as ourselves. We make the ground, the foundation for God to do something new. I'm just saying, my friends, we are spending our lives. Next week is the end of our stewardship campaign. We're going to ask you to fill out that little pledge form and bring it forward. And quite frankly, Scarlet, I don't care about the money. I really don't. I care about a community of faith. that loves as you do. Have I told you lately I love you? <laughs> the redemption, the redemptiveness of this community would change the world. And that's something I'm willing and then ready, willing and ready to invest my whole life in. Thanks be to God. Amen.